students have been asking me all week long, how are you doing? Are you nervous? What can I say? I'm never better. I uh, am grateful for this opportunity because it's helped me to stretch and understand. Today, our goal is to understand a little bit better this idea of receiving revelation. Interesting, Sister Julie Beck gave a very interesting description of the importance of receiving revelation when she said, the ability to qualify for, receive, and act on personal revelation is the single most important skill that can be acquired in this life. We better understand it. If that statement is true, we better understand how to do that. By the end of our time together, we are going to achieve a few small things in this quest to understand. First of all, we will identify many of the ways that revelation comes to the children of God. We will give spiritual and personal examples of these types of revelation, but we will not be able to answer all the questions about revelation. You must make that journey on your own. So what is revelation? How does it work? We're going to use a guide that Elder Gerald Lund gave us. It's been modified a little bit, but it's gonna help us understand the process and the different kinds of revelation that come from the less direct to the more direct. And we will look at different aspects along that continuum, starting with the light of Christ and going all the way to a theophany. So first of all, let's understand what the light of Christ is. In Doctrine and Covenants section 88, verses 6 through 11, there's a great description on the light of Christ. However, we're going to start in verse 11 and read a few verses. And the, light of, and the light which shineth, which giveth you light, is through him who enlighteneth your eyes, which is the same light that quickeneth your understanding which light proceedeth forth from the presence of God and fills the immensity of space, the light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who is in the bosom of eternity, who is in the midst of all things. It's such a fascinating concept. The light of Christ fills all things and yet it just prompts us and guides us in a very less direct revelatory manner. A more direct way is a theophany. What is a theophany? A theophany is literally, as you can see, a Latin word which means a visual manifestation of God to mankind. Both ends. The more direct, interestingly, the more direct, or I should say the less direct, the more frequent the revelation comes. The more direct the revelation, the more frequent, or the less frequently it comes. It seems to involve our senses in a, in a different sort of a way. What I mean is, in a more direct, less frequent revelation, we find our physical senses involved. Our sight, our, the sound, the touch, the feel, all of those kinds of things seem to be involved. Perhaps this is why this revelation seems to be more dramatic. Now, 
I like the way that President Spencer W. Kimball describes this idea of more direct and less direct. He said, many people expect if there be revelation, it will come with awe-inspiring, earth-shaking displays. The burning bushes, the smoking mountains, the sheet of four-footed beasts, the Camorras and the Kirtlands were realities, but they were exceptions. The great volume of revelation that came to Moses and to Joseph and comes to prophets today in a less spectacular way, that of deep impressions, without spectacle, without glamour, or dramatic events, always expecting the spectacular, many will miss entirely the constant flow of revealed communication. So interesting. We miss because we expect something big. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 8, verse 2, we learn an interesting truth about this idea of the still small voice. Now, I want to fill in, if you will, the rest of our revelatory pattern. We talk about the still small voice. We talk about the administration of the sick, Father's blessings, ordinances. There are patriarchal blessings, and you'll notice that each one builds in the idea of revelation and gets to be more direct but less frequent. We get dreams, there are audible voices, visions, and angelic visitations. Now, to help us understand this, let's go back and talk about the still small voice. And I love what happens in Doctrine and Covenants section eight, verses two and three, because it really does define how revelation works. Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come and dwell upon you, and which shall dwell in your heart. Now, behold, this is the spirit of revelation. When our mind and our heart are in harmony, that is a great way to check revelation, to see that if revelation is really working. One of the responsibilities of a bishop is to hold disciplinary councils. Uh, when a member's sin has caused their membership to be in jeopardy. During one such experience, uh, we had dismissed a member to go and sit in another room while the bishopric would counsel together. Something wasn't sitting right. It wasn't feeling right. My heart wasn't in harmony with my mind. Then came a thought into my mind that I didn't have the whole story. I excused myself, walked down the hall to where this member was, and probed a little deeper, and a lot more came out. The council was dismissed, and we started meeting again. Even though I had met with the person for over a long period of time before the council, we began meeting again, preparing this person for the rest of it. But again, my mind and heart was not in harmony. And remember, when that's not in harmony, pay attention, revelation. Doctrine and Covenants section nine, verses three through nine, you'll recall Oliver Cowdery wanted to translate. The prophet Joseph Smith inquired of the Lord. The Lord said yes. He began the translation process, translated a little bit, but then lost the ability. And confused, he didn't understand why. The Lord then explained how revelation works. And remember, our heart and our mind are involved in this process. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. 
then you must ask if it be right. And if it be right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you will feel that it is right. But if it is not right, you will have no such feeling, but you'll have a stupor of thought, mind and heart, right? That, you shall, that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Here is a powerful way to detect the idea of revelation. Make a decision, take it to the Lord, and move forward. Because of this scripture, many people say, I have never received revelation. I've never had a burning in my bosom, so I haven't ever had revelation. Can I tell you, that's not the way the Lord communicates with me. It's occurred one time in my life. I remember it well. It was an answer to a prayer, and I felt like it was emanating heat. I don't know any other way to explain it. But it happened one time in my life. So if you're waiting for the spectacular to occur that President Kimball talked about, Relax. When your mind and your heart are involved, revelation is taking place. The Holy Ghost speaks with a voice that you feel more than you... Let me advance this. Here we go. Listen to what President Packer says. The Holy Ghost speaks with a voice that you feel more than you hear. It is described as a still, small voice. And while we speak of listening to the whisperings of the Spirit, more often one describes a spiritual prompting by saying, I had a feeling. Revelation comes as words we feel more than we hear. I love that idea. Now, going on to the next portion of our idea of receiving revelation, Administration of the sick, father's blessings, ordinances. Oftentimes, peace comes. In John chapter 14, verse 27, the Lord says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Some of the greatest peace that has come in my life is during these blessings these ordinances, especially when I have the opportunity to give a blessing to my wife. Now, patriarchal blessings. I think there's a confusion in lineage and all of those kinds of things because I love how President Dallin Oaks has helped us understand what patriarchal blessings really are about in receiving this idea of revelation. Listen to what he says. When a patriarch declares lineage, he is identifying the tribe of Israel through which the person will receive his or her blessing. Not the nature of the blood or the composition of the genes of the person being blessed. I love the clarification. It helps immensely in understanding our patriarchal blessings. Another form is that of dreams. And yes, dreams come. Remember what Lehi said in 1 Nephi chapter 8? I have dreamed a dream. And then he tells us this great information about the tree of life. 
Another powerful understanding is audible voices. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Audible voice? Absolutely. While we were living in Texas, I borrowed a heavy-duty trailer to go and get some sawed grass to plant in my yard. It was a double axle, heavy duty, and I was pulling it with my minivan. You can already see a problem coming, but nonetheless, as I went, no problem, I gathered sod all day long, it was heavy. And as I started back, there was a hill that I came to that was a long, long, steep grade. And as I approached the top of the hill, I knew I had to go slow. And so I just barely crept over the top with that heavy load, and the trailer had no brakes, right? And I started over the top of the hill down the other side, and as I was going down, everything seemed to be going fine, and all of a sudden I felt the van being pulled from side to side. I looked in the rear view mirror, and I could see the cars behind me stopping, and I'm thinking, they know what's gonna happen, and I knew what was gonna happen. I could see the trailer sliding from side to side outside the van, and I thought, no, I knew what was going to happen. I could feel it. It was a very strange sensation. The trailer would flip over, the van would flip over, and I would hit my head on the concrete outside on the ground, on the road. I could feel it. I knew that's what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, a voice came to me. Speed up. It's trying to pass you. So I hit the gas, and instantly... The trailer, which was sliding around, pulled right in behind me, and we went flying down the hill, me, the van, and the trailer, about 90 miles an hour by the time I got to the bottom. But that wasn't nearly as fast as my heart was pounding. <laughs> but we made it safely down the hill. So interesting that the Lord does speak to us on occasion, but not very often. Another way is through that of visions. Visions come. Remember, Doctrine and Covenants section 76 was received by Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon in the upper room of the Johnson home. They even call it the vision, the degrees of glory. Another way that they come is angelic visitations. In Joseph Smith history, we learn that he starts receiving revelation after revelation from an angel, Moroni. 22 different accounts we have of his visit to Joseph Smith. It does come, it does happen. But again, that's not the way he communicates with me. Interestingly, obtaining revelation is not a passive experience. You'll remember that the counsel is to ask, seek, and knock. I love the idea, ask. It's verbal action, I'm speaking, and then seeking denotes a higher level of involvement. When we begin to do something where our mind and our heart become in harmony. Knocking has a tendency to help us understand there's physical things that have to be involved as well. I love the way Elder Richard G. Scott helps us understand this idea when he said, when you are living worthily and your choice is consistent with the Savior's teaching, you will feel you will need to act. Proceed with trust. Act and then proceed with trust. God will not let you proceed too far without a warning impression if you have made the wrong decision. 
That is significant. It reminds me of Elder Holland's experience when he and his son drove to the Grand Canyon. You'll remember this story, right? They go to the Grand Canyon, they have a great day. In the evening, they turn around to come back, and as they turn around to come back, they come to a fork in the road, and they don't know which way to go. It's unfamiliar, so they pray. The Lord says, go to the left, they go to the left. Just a very short distance later, they come to a dead end, they turn around, and they come back, and they get on the right road, and they go back. His son says, I don't understand. Why did this happen? Elder Scott helps us understand it beautifully. God will not let you proceed too far without a warning impression if you have made the wrong decision. Let's put this into application that perhaps we can understand a little bit, a real life situation. Let's look at a topic that I feel is a rather sensitive topic here at LDS Business College. Who should I marry? Let's talk about receiving revelation on that all-important topic. Too often we let our hearts drive the decision. But remember what Doctrine and Covenants section, eight verse, or section 9 verse 8 says, study it out in your mind. Don't rush the courtship. The longer you know the person, obviously, the greater you will come to understand who they are. Use the time of the courtship to get to know the person. Spend time with their family. Do their values harmonize with your values? How do they treat their parents and their siblings? Work together, volunteer to babysit together. That is revealing. Do they sit in front of the TV all day long watching or playing video games? So what is this process that we've been describing? Section nine, verse eight, you're studying it out in your mind. Keep the physical expression of your love in tight control. Don't rob yourself of the spirit by going there. You've heard of the phrase rules of engagement. The rules of engagement are usually used when we talk about a military kind of a thing. Rules of engagement also apply to when you become engaged because you are in a battle to obtain the temple. As a single ward, as a young single adult ward bishop, I had the opportunity to meet with couples and I started the minute they became engaged. We sat down and every week from then until they made it to the temple, we would visit. And each time we would sit down to meet, the very first time I pulled out a sheet of paper and on that piece of paper at the top said rules of engagement. And underneath it, there was a list of things that I committed them to live by until they obtained the temple. Gratefully, not one did we have to wait or postpone their going to the temple with. Now, when you become engaged, come see me, and I'll give you that paper, the rules of engagement, so you can be better prepared for your battle to get to the temple. As you are considering the person that you are dating, as you're considering and thinking to the, yourself, is this person really the one I'm supposed to marry? Pray that the Lord will open your spiritual eyes so that you can look upon their heart and not just upon their countenance. Make the decision and then seek the Lord's confirmation. You guys, this is your decision. Who to marry? He stands ready to confirm your decision, but it's your decision. Boyd K. Packer, President Packer, made this great statement. 
when he says you must do the choosing. You must do the choosing rather than to seek for someone and only so-called soulmate chosen for you by someone else and waiting for you. You are to do the choosing. You must be wise beyond your years and humbly prayerful unless you choose amiss. So stop waiting for the great displays and the earth-shattering things that President uh, Kimball talked about and move forward. Move forward, make a decision and then take that person's name to the Lord. It would sound something like this, Heavenly Father, I have chosen to marry, in my case, Lisa Batters. Is that thy will? And then listen for the still small voice to speak peace to your soul and pay attention to what's happening in your mind and in your heart. And over a period of time, if that feels right, move forward. If it doesn't feel right, then ask the other question. Heavenly Father, I've decided not to marry this person. Is that thy will? And then pay attention. He will let you know. If you are looking for a soulmate, remember that your soulmate is the person who you're sealed to after you marry them. Sisters, if some guy comes to you and says, I've received revelation, you are the one. Remember what President Oak said. I have heard of cases where a young man told a young woman she should marry him because he had received revelation that she was to be his eternal companion. If this is true revelation, it will be confirmed directly to the woman if she seeks to know. I love that phrase. What if she doesn't want to know? She doesn't have to pray about it. I think it's fabulous. In the meantime, she is under no obligation to heed it. She should seek her own guidance, make up her own mind. The man can receive revelation to guide his own actions, but he cannot properly receive revelation to direct hers. She is out of his stewardship. In other words, sisters, you are entitled to receive your own revelation on that matter. While teaching a class here at LDS Business College, a young, we had just gone through this quote, a young sister in the back of the room from Scotland said, oh, really? And I said, oh, what's going on? And she said, this guy, he keeps bothering me that he's received revelation and I'm the one that he's supposed to marry. And, and I said, run. Or pray about it either way, but, you know, your choice, right? This is your choice. This is a wonderful story that helps us understand this idea of receiving revelation. In the new era of 2000, this story was published. When I was 18 years old, uh, the person that's speaking is a young man named Ken Merrill. When I was 18 years old, as I was preparing to serve a mission, my bishop called me to be the sunbeam teacher in our ward. One day I invited my friend Mike to come to church and sit with me in class. Mike was my age but had stopped attending church completely by the time he was 12 years old. He had remained, we had remained friends over the years and once in a while Mike would accept my invitation to come to an activity. It always surprised me when he did so, so I kept inviting him. At that time, Mike had long black hair and a dark beard. His complexion was dark and pleasant. 
I don't remember when I invited him to my primary class, but one day he showed up. Class, I would like to introduce to you my friend Mike, is how I began my lesson. He's visiting us today. Mike sat next to me in front of the class, the children in a semicircle with their eyes fixed on him. They were much quieter than usual. I was about five or six minutes into the lesson when one little boy got up from his chair, walked across the room, stood directly in front of my friend. The boy paused a moment and then climbed onto his lap. I continued with the lesson as I watched the two of them from the corner of my eye. The boy sat looking into Mike's face. Mike was quite uncomfortable, but didn't interrupt the lesson or turn the boy away. The other children watched the two of them for a few minutes. Then one of the little girls climbed off of her seat, walked across the room, and approached Mike. I was intently interested in seeing how Mike would react, but didn't want to instruct the children to return to their chairs. The girl stood with her hands on Mike's knees, looking into his face. Then it happened. The boy on Mike's lap reached up with both of his hands turned Mike's face directly into his. I stopped the lesson to see what was about to unfold. With the innocence of a child, he said to Mike, Are you Jesus? The boy looked at Mike's face. As I looked at Mike's face, it was total surprise. It seemed as I glanced at the children's faces, they all had the same question in their minds. Mike looked at me as if to say, help, what do I do? I stepped in, but I would say the Spirit stepped in. No, this is not Jesus. This is his brother. Mike looked at me as if in shock. Then, without hesitation, the boy in Mike's lap reached up, wrapped his arms around Mike's neck, said, I can tell. The boy hugged Mike. The rest of the children smiled and nodded in agreement as the simple question was answered. Mike blinked back the tears in response to the love from a sunbeam. Mike served a mission. I know that revelation comes. I know that revelation comes in many different ways. And with patience and listening and engaging your mind and your heart, you will know. For we are brothers and sisters of that same Jesus who was crucified for our sins, redeems us from the fall, and enables us to return to God's presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.